The Protect Your Neck Podcast, year-end wrap-up show. We talk recent MMA results, year-end awards, and much, much more. Strap in. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. and girls this is the protect your neck podcast and i am your host dan tom and this is work you'd find over at mmajunkie.com but on this year program the protect your neck podcast we break down high level mma that's what we're going to do here today tonight uh, whenever you listen to this and of course it'll be in a, a slightly different way because this is a year-end wrap-up show as the title would pour 10 and uh that's what we're going to do here um Going to provide you with a, a quick little update here on some things as to why we did not have a show last week, which I apologize for. Then I will be moving on to uh, just essentially recapping the last events. Now, obviously, I haven't spoke to you guys since I broke down Busan and Hawaii. Since I was in Hawaii, it was the last time I spoke to you guys, at least via this podcast. Um, so I, I will recap those events, but it's not going to be your typical recap, obviously, because everything's been talked about. The results are pretty obvious, but um, I will breeze through those events uh, and touching on, obviously, things that were more kind of personal or unique to my perspective, which I guess was is the whole point of tuning into this uh, Madhouse show, the Protecting Neck podcast, right? So, uh, you know, I, I, I'll try not to beat your head, in other words, with, with the obvious, um, and I'll, I'll try to breeze through those as well. Uh, you know, as well as uh, results for Bellator Japan, Risen 2020 in the PFL Finals, um, and some notes, you know, to cap off for uh, end-of-the-year content, end-of-the-decade content, talk subjects. I know we already talked about some, so I'm not going to get too deep into that. Just kind of more shouting some of the work uh, me or my colleagues have done. Um, then I said, you know, I know I tweeted no neckies, but that's because I really had no guests. I've been really bad about guests. Well, obviously, just with the with the schedule... You know, this is a breakdown podcast first and foremost, although I do love the top five. So the breakdown schedule does make it hard, although, again, it's been light lately, so I definitely can't use that as an excuse. But with all the personal stuff and, and then with, you know, between my luck and attitude toward guests, what I say toward that is, is more my attitude than it is the luck. Um, as you know, I kind of have bad luck at everything for the most part, uh, which is fine. I'm learning to laugh at. Uh, but, uh, you know... It, I have said that, that super low, like no self esteem, where it's like, ah, I don't want to do my podcast. I don't want to bother anybody. And I was really bad. Like, honestly, it's not even like so much that I'm, I forgot or, ooh, I should book for this week, which does happen. I'm not going to lie. But uh, I'm just I'm just terrible at booking, man. I don't know how, like, shout out to, to Gorgeous George and Goes as well, obviously. They both booked uh, the show heavily, doing that show five days a week. Uh, for, for a decade, over a decade of MMA Junkie Radio. I'm like, man, the, I always told him, like, dude, the booking part, I do not envy that. I'm like, please, um, I'll, help, I'll keep helping out with the tech stuff and you can throw to me, but I got, you're on your own on the booking part. That's that, that's tough. So I apologize, guys. I, I am going to get better at that. But uh, as I get into, um, I will give you guys some neckies, though, I guess is what I was trying to say, despite having no guests. 
So I will give you guys those very quickly. And again, just kind of more getting out the reasoning through the basic stuff. And, you know, there there are some semi-unique uh, categories and things came to mind. So I, I wrote them down. Nothing big. Um, not trying to blow anybody away. And if we have time, again, trying to keep this short, hopefully we don't go over an hour, which means hopefully we don't go over an hour and 15 um, I'll give you some thoughts on The Mandalorian and why I, I've somewhat changed my tune on it um, since my, 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 my highly critical uh, attitude toward it. So that's going to be the kind of flow of the podcast. I don't know if I'm going to really include timestamps because this is just more of a ear candy and what I imagine is going to be a slow week for a lot of podcasts with no um, uh, you know major fights going on on the weekends. And since most podcasts don't do kind of top five sort of things, um, which would be a great time to fill it in. Uh, and I'm not shitting on most podcasts. I'm actually shitting on my podcast when I say that. Because, again, I'm a terrible booker. And I guess what I'm just trying to say there is basically these would have been perfect weeks for top fives. It's still not too late to pull one out next week. But um, got a lot of doctors and vet appointments. Because, again, the reason why I missed the previous week, obviously, for those who've been following, know um, my mom's had a... Brain aneurysms, and it's tough. She's actually had like four to five cancellations, but three cancellations have been on the surgery day. One was before she got there. Um, the other was shortly after she got there, which sucked because she was scheduled on Thanksgiving, and long story short, my family has a terrible history of Thanksgiving. Uh, I just hate the holiday for many reasons. The food, uh, the imperialistic nature, and, you know, the fact that just, um, it just, you know, we, we lost a lot of people on Thanksgiving, spent a lot of my childhood house hopping, enjoying other people's Thanksgiving, seeing how, you know, the Jews do it, seeing how the Italians do it over here. You know, good experiences culturally, but, you know, uh, in Princia as a kid, and uh, my mom was scheduled on Black Friday, one of my least favorite holidays, because I, I hate people and I hate... You know, this buying culture. Oh, puppy's up. So uh, I got a puppy, folks, for those of you who've been following either. Because, um, yeah, uh, they essentially scheduled my mom on Thanksgiving or day after Black Friday, which was not just Black Friday, but also the day her mother died. <laughs> so was, I was actually glad that one got canceled, not going to lie. But they rescheduled her for Christmas Eve, which was pretty fucked up. And that's where I kind of last left off with you guys. Hopefully, puppy's going back to sleep. That's where I last left off with you guys. That was kind of on my head, uh, amongst other things, in Hawaii. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I get back from Bellator, Hawaii, which, again, I'll touch on a few key points before we push on here in a moment, folks. This is an, an, an MMA podcast. But, uh, yeah, uh, so Christmas Eve comes around, and it's the day of Christmas Eve. She's actually scheduled for, like, 10 a.m. or 11 and uh, I actually get in there, and, and I'm allowed into the surgery room, the prep, and it's really emotional. I mean, it, it's almost like we're saying our goodbyes because you don't know what could happen, you know? And we already have had to go on over wills and what to do if I die and all this uncomfortable conversations that um, hopefully none of you all have to have prematurely, I guess. Um, I'll leave it up to you whether you want to know when it's your loved one's time to go or not, but... I will say that knowing <laughs> or knowing that there's a possibility of isn't any easier. And this was a weird one because, like, I was trying to think, like, we essentially got in there and the anesthesiologist was already cleared. They already took her blood. And from what we thought, the day of blood results that were cleared because the day of blood results are usually the thing that caused the previous two day of cancellations. Because essentially when you're working on a brain aneurysm, you just need the blood to be uh, flowing with you correctly. There's a bunch of medication and prep. They do to encourage your blood a certain way, but if your blood is not a certain way, they cannot do it. 
And uh, my mom essentially had like the John Jones. Again, I'm going to relate this to MMA to keep it MMA themed while I push the personal stuff, folks. Forgive me. Uh, but she was essentially like John Jones with like, she was like uh, the, uh, you know, the, um, what, what do they call pulsing? You know, almost like that in the sense of like her blood would read one way, then it wouldn't read another, and it didn't make sense. And essentially, kind of similar to USADA adjusting their tests, these tests are so new and so evolving that it's a low percentage, but sometimes they do mess up and they're inaccurate. So she got the clear go-ahead, and um, the doctor, who is like uh, this Ukrainian, real tough woman, and she's really great at her job. She's one of the best um, who's going to do the operation, the surgeon. She rejected it, actually, last minute, and it broke her heart, too. I mean, she was upset. It was like one of those movies where like, the doctor, like the ER, gets upset because they essentially know, they've come to know my, my, my mother very well, and uh, they know they can save her life uh, with what is multiple ticking time bombs in her head. But... If the blood doesn't read a certain way, then they can't do it. And really, it was good that they can't do it because she would have just had a high risk of stroking. And it's not even so much the high-risk surgery. It's actually the stroke that ends up changing and killing a lot of the people. So <coughs> it's hard to depress you guys with that. But yeah, it was like, so essentially now it was it was heartbreaking because this was the last kind of try. Um, and so now we essentially have to go cranial, which is like, you know, lobotomy kind of style and that, that's hard to see any loved one much less your mother in that sort of condition and what that kind of does to you but there is some silver lining she has less of a chance of dying afterwards which is good it's just such a severe gosh darn surgery hey babies so it's been a dang emotional roller coaster so what we did was thank you guys for responding and being so kind for those tweets um i recorded a little thing with her, don't worry, I'm not going to play it for you guys. Hopefully it will never see the delay today, but just talking to my mom just to kind of hear her voice because whether it was going through the veins or as they're going to have to do through cranial, you know, you don't, you might not come out the same. You might not come out speaking the same. So I wanted to get her voice on recording since it's technology now, you know, um, and take advantage of that kind of like uh, Duncan Trussell did with his mother when he knew she was kind of terminal and whatnot, and um, it was actually nice, it was only like 24 minutes or so, and we just talked about family history, there's actually some interesting stuff there, you know, I, I know I talked about my grandmother from the other side of my family, my father's side, and, uh, you know, the first woman, woman of color, the aviation, and giving female pilots jobs, yada yada, but the other side of the family has some interesting, you know, history too, which my mom kind of shared, if I ever play this, but she essentially talks about, um, we're not quite like the Kennedys, I wish. I would be much weller off in my bank account if we were like the Kennedys. But like the Kennedys, we actually, that side of the Tom family make their money off of, um, not bootlegging like the Kennedys did, but drugs, opium. My grandpa was essentially a farmer and he used his land for, uh, well, I'll leave the story. But yeah, um, it was uh, really interesting. He became the first, uh, they were the first people on that, on, I think, the west side of the island. Um, with running water, plumbing, and a phone. And a lot of that was based off opium, and she kind of shares that story, on the cultivating and dealing, uh, and how he organized that. So it was pretty cool. Uh, so, so it's not just all tear-jerky shit. But, uh, so I recorded that, and what we also did, instead of worrying about life ending and looking behind, we looked forward, and we got a, a nice puppy here. And uh, thank you guys for all those compliments as well. I'm holding her right now. And I'm probably going to take a quick break um, that I won't edit in smoothly here. Take her to the bathroom because she woke up from a nap. And her name is Brownie. Uh, it was between Brownie and Brandy, and I'm calling her both by mistake. But 
my mom named it, and uh, you know, my mom was adopted. This one's adopted, so she's got a spiritual connection. So I wanted her to name it. So the podcast will be uh, interrupted uh, a lot more, folks. So so that's what's been going on with me. So uh, sorry for that long personal update. Again, I'm sure you guys just need some uh, listening porn, anyways. But uh, but yeah, uh, that's what's been been keeping me and uh i've been watching youtube videos <laughs> to try to keep up to date while my mom who uh you know keeping her busy letting her come over and, and get her mind off the surgery and onto the puppy she she's like obsessed with those like dog rescue shows or those pit bulls and paroli shows and i got sucked in for the first time today and i'm like oh my god i don't know i don't know if it's good for her to be watching this uh, emotional roller coaster because for folks who don't know it's essentially like emotional porn you know, it's like they found that law and order, like, r- remedy for, like, how to hook you in, right? You know, they use the same formula every time, and you know it's cheesy, but but it works. And uh, this stuff's the same, you know, they're all, they, they find the pit bull, and like, oh, we found a pit bull. <gasps> Vitals don't look good. And then all of a sudden the score comes in. Dun, 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 And you hear, oh, my God, get us some water. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's great. My offensive female voice there, I apologize. Um, but yeah, so that's what's been going on there. I'm going to take a quick pause and we're going to jump into recaps and push through year-end awards and nods for your listening pleasure, folks. Sorry for the personal spiels. Be right back. All right, back. Sorry about that. I probably could have stayed there because I'm back with a baby girl in my lap. And she didn't even go to the bathroom. Oh, she's going to be big too, man. She's half boxer like Benjamin, except instead of half pit, she's half mastiff. And her dad looks like the biggest mastiff I've ever seen. So we'll see how big she gets. But all right, folks. So we're going to go uh, breeze through these recaps here. Uh, again, not going not gonna to bore you with, with the really old stuff. Just kind of giving my own personal take on it. Starting with uh, Bellator Salute the Troops, which you know happened on... Uh, on Friday, uh, shouts again to Rob DeMello for doing that preview video, and um, yeah, sorry, my computer, both my computer and my phone, uh, the touchscreen aspect of it, or you know, the, the touchpad for the laptop, uh, is, is going out. Uh, but yeah, uh, pretty much. Okay, there's all right, all right. You want to get out of here? Get tangled up in the cord. Uh, yeah, Barnett had to pull out, which you know looked looked terrible with the pro wrestling workouts and whatnot. But it was a uh, legit felt felt terrible for Honey Marks for who was all class. Oh, I love you too. I love you too, Brownie girl. You good girl. Oh, you such a good girl. And uh, ended up being headlined by Toby Misich versus Eric Goito Perez. Boy, Perez cuts a lot of weight, man. He just looked like he was just really just dried out. And as he gets older, maybe he should be like a featherweight. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm not saying that's why he got knocked out. I mean, Misich is, you know, a southpaw stylist on the feet, man. He'll He's a southpaw striker for sure. So, uh, you know, he did the slip uppercut hook and the 1-1-2 down the pipe. And he was just super humble because he missed weight. And I just love seeing that man. He just was super, you know, you know, uh, almost hard on himself despite coming up big in the last minute main event spot. You tinky girl, aren't you? Alejandro Lara defeated Vita Ortega, which was probably the fight of the weekend. Um, I don't know about the Busan card because I still haven't caught up on a lot of it. Are you chewing on my wire? Yes, you are. You're chewing on everything right now, even me. 
Um, but yeah, as far as those Bellator cards go, and, and just Lara was just, you know, it was interesting because I'll, I'll point out tie into Velasquez, uh, who defeated her last time they were in Hawaii. Okay, I'm going to let you know. Go, go rest, go sleep. Good girl. Sorry about that, folks. Um, which I'll tie into a point, which, uh, as far as a question I asked Scott, and uh, just, just an interesting point there. Tywin Claxon defeated Braden Akio. I know Akio didn't uh, have the greatest showing, but sometimes in a loss, and even in a somewhat dominating loss toward the end, or the back half of the fight, um, Akio still did a lot of things to impress me, so I'm going to keep an eye out for that kid to see if he grows any. Joey Davis defeated... Uh, uh, Chris Cisneros, man, that was, uh, that was a bloody one. Um, next night, of course, Lee Malia McFarland headlined. Uh, she beat Kate Jackson. That was, um, you know, I, I called for a late sub and it looked like it was going to happen a couple times, but Kate Jackson is just so darn tough and McFarland, man, even with a drastic weight cut and maybe even looking like, uh, the first win went a little early. She, she does hit a second win, man. She does have a second win in there. Um, I don't know how long she wants to depend on it or keep cutting that big of weight, you know. It's crazy, the accessibility in the sport, but, um, you know, let's just say I may or may not have rode back with uh, her team that night and may or may not have, uh, you know, yeah, even heard her own team uh, corner just talking about that as far as that's, that's the big adjustment they got to do is make sure she doesn't. Uh, get so big between fights, you know, she, uh, I think in like seven, eight week camp, she cut 30 pounds and she made it, made the limit. But like, whew, I mean, like when we talked to her that media day, it was like talking to two different Alima To be fair, she warned us. She's a sweetheart. Uh, nothing bad. I mean, all fighters just believe me. I, I forgive them. <laughs> believe me. I'm not, I'm not, not you know, throwing shade, but you could tell she was, oof, she was not feeling the weight cut or anything <laughs> the day before. So. Hopefully she gets that in check because, um, you know, she's looking good and, and, and making improvements each time out. Um, AJ McKee had a fight that was good for him by what, from West Texas Tough, Derek Campos, who, you know, you, you know is going to bring it every time. So much respect for that guy, man. Um, but AJ McKee showed his medal, especially when, you, you know, he didn't play it up too much. We had to kind of get it out of him. I think Josh Gross was the one who picked up on it by talking to him, but uh, apparently he threw up like three or four times before the open workout. We saw him on Wednesday. Wouldn't have been able to tell with the spirits that he was carrying um, on Wednesday. Uh, and um, Compost even nailed him. He admitted he was seeing multiple uh, Derek Composts in there. But still pulls off a super slick submission that, you know, recency bias, obviously. But, you know, you're doing these submission of the year awards or whatnot. And, uh, or you know, it was it got my vote. I don't think it won. I think Bryce Mitchell probably won. And deservingly so, which especially when we get to... My half-ass, half-hearted neckies. Uh, but AJ McKee, for what it's worth, got my vote for submission of the month because it was just so smooth, yet if he lost position, not only would he have been on bottom, but if you look at where the fight was going and kind of how his gas tank was, if he was, in fact, sick, that, that could have really been a costly, you know, a crucial part of the fight if that didn't go his way. And so the fact that he just picked up on that smooth triangle armbar was just, oh. Uh, Jason Jackson defeated Kuichi Kunimoto. Makes sense why a guy, I guess, was 2-1 to one favorite just by taking the fight on 
eight to seven days notice if you asked him, but when I asked Kunimoto, Kunimoto said he only got five days notice, so make what you will there. Juliana Velasquez defeated Bruna Ellen in a fairly dominant fight. I didn't watch too much of it. I was kind of going back and forth on uh, media time uh, between the scrum tent and cage side. But, um... Oh, and trying to find coffee, which they just did not, could not, did not have at the venue, which is, yeah. But, um... But yeah, Juliana Velasquez, again, very just, uh, you know, almost that Nova and Yao-esque. She's got that that hot grand Diaz where you're like, oh, potential, athleticism, potential. But then it kind of ends up being decisions. And I think she's much better and much she should be much higher ranked uh, than what she is. However, the reason why I kind of made that note is because that's what the promoters will use. And, you know, you know, uh, I, I, you know, not, not biased from covering their events, but just because you really look at, you know, objectively what Bellator has done, uh, I'll still criticize them now, and I've definitely criticized them then, and I've some things I will never stop criticizing, like tape delay or broadcast issues, which was, you know, an issue with the Bellator Japan card. So believe me, I'm not beyond that, but I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan as far as them just trying things different or bringing things back. Because we complain about the UFC matchmaking, especially those of us in the know, how success almost turns into a bad thing because it's such cutthroat matchmaking that doesn't do much good building, especially in their high schedule era. Whereas Bellator, though they seem to also be following suit with picking up their schedule, we'll see what happens if they change broadcast partners next year. But, you know, as far as building guys, you know, um, the old regime pretty much only had, you know, Chandler for the most part. And then you'd have, like, action guys like Rickles, you know, um, and much love to those guys, obviously. But whereas the new regime, obviously, you've got guys like the, the McKees or even these guys like Jason Jackson who don't have the prettiest records, uh, in, but they do well against guys like Ed Ruth, who obviously they've been big on, on getting a bunch of guys and wrestlers like Ed Ruth and kind of planting those seeds and seeing how they grow. And yeah, some are bust, but the fact that they're trying, you know, like that Gracie Ruth thing, Ruth underperforming while Gracie overperforming in that Grand Prix. Um, I think both those examples still prove kind of Coker right for giving them a shot. Uh, because even though, and don't get me wrong, it is frustrating with the Michael Venom page and what's going on there. I've kind of detached myself emotionally. It's so frustrating, right? But... It's kind of unfair to harp on that when you've got, you know, guys like A.J. McKees who have been built properly. Um, or, you know, they're, again, back to the Gracie and Ruth. Both of them, you could argue, not just for Bellator standards, but any standards, that maybe they are rushed into that tournament when you consider the names. But again, uh, props to them for doing it because it's going to make Ruth a better fighter, as well as Gracie a better fighter, although you can argue maybe one overperformed whilst one underperformed. So... Um, not sure, I guess, what I was kind of quite... Oh, I guess, uh, rounding back to Julian Velasquez and Coker. But even though we all like to, you know, pile on Dana White for all his, you know, Dana White-isms or however you want to label it, I, I definitely ain't denying it. But, again, you know, he... It's not that promoter... When people say, well, he's the promoter, it's not because it's an excuse for Dana White, but it's because it's a truth. And the truth about promoters is a lot of them don't like the truth. <laughs> Okay, and even Coker, a guy who you know, I, I got to be objective because I'm media, but I do got I do got a lot of respect for Coker, um, and I like Coker, 
But even Coker will, will do a lot of the Dana White things. You know what I'm saying? Because, again, it's not because they're twiddling their mustache, killing puppies every morning, evil guys or anything like that, but they are promoters at the end of the day. They're businessmen at the end of the day and have a business to run. And believe me, I hate that saying. I'm not trying to be apathetic <laughs> or saying that justifies it. Uh, but I'm simply saying that as a setup for kind of this point, which was... Um, who was it on Twitter? I want to say it was Zane Simon who said, like, you see this especially a lot with Brazilian fighters, but fighters who are dominant have a, are really good, but then they kind of tend to win by decision. You'll just see them kind of getting that John Fitch treatment or whatever, but a lot of them also tend to be Brazilians because you got the language barrier, lack of marketability, quote-unquote, to the Western audiences and Western productions, you know, Western houses that these fights take place in, if you will. Um, so you see that a lot with, with, you know, the Brazilians. And I don't know if Zane cited somebody, but there's plenty you could cite in the UFC, uh, you know, as far as this goes. And um, I feel like, you know, Velasquez, Juliana Velasquez is going to be one of those. Because when I asked Scott about her, you know, he was kind of like, uh, well, you know. Uh, and he started saying how Lara put on a good fight. But then I don't know if somebody shouted at, at out or he kind of caught himself going. But, yeah, you know, granted, Lara still has that head-to-head -head loss that's relevant to Velasquez, who still hasn't lost since. Um, but he was like, well, you know, you, 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 fight a girl like Allen or you get, you fight a uh, fight like that. You should finish a fight like that. And it was like, whoa. And it, A, he's right, rightful to that opinion. Anybody's rightful to that opinion, but it was kind of weird to hear. Cause again, Scott's pretty, you know, he's, he's not, he's not trying to go out there and offend. He, you know, he's got his own way of, of trash talk. Cause he's not really a trash talker, which is fine. He's, he's a, he, I actually like the way he handles himself. Um, and I don't think that was wrong to say that. As far as like it's his opinion, I don't agree with it, but I, so, but I'm just saying I don't think it's wrong, even though I don't agree with it, because that is okay, people. But uh, it was just surprising, I guess, is what I'm trying to say to hear hear kind of Scott go that route with uh, with that answer. But it kind of proved um, that point to to I believe what Zane tweeted like, it sucks for some of these fighters, man, when there's a language barrier and they fit that stylistic trope of. They're good enough to beat all your top guys, but not good enough to fucking put asses in seats. You know? They don't have the style to put asses in seats. Um, that's kind of tough. Vasquez! Vasquez! God, I, I didn't do that, by the way. Uh, oh, but it was, was... Oh, you know why I didn't do that? I told you guys how I, I, I still ended up fucking her pre... Uh, her, you know, fight week media. <laughs> with uh, Ed Soares. But uh, the reason why I didn't do that again... You can read between the lines here, but... um. We were, she was on the list for media, and again, maybe it was because staying consistent with Scott's opinion where he wasn't impressed, but uh, yeah, we were told, uh, yeah, she won't be doing the scrum, so you you read, you take from that what you will, but uh, yeah, Velasquez definitely getting the tougher, tougher route to climb there. Um, I also wrote uh, Hendo. Hendo uh, was in the audience uh, the night before, and uh, when news was kind of breaking, um, media and whatnot, someone was uh, whispering, uh, at the, what happened? Because Hendo was sitting by media, a media member was saying, uh, explaining, yeah, Barnett was apparently, he was throwing up, he couldn't stand. Uh, he tried to fight through it, but he was just throwing up and, and could barely stand up in the back, so the commission had to call it. And Dan Henderson just had this, like, and I tweeted it out, but I don't think the tweet did it justice. 
But Dan Henderson just had it was just great, like looking at him, like processing this information, and like, but he looked very confused because he was like, I, I've, and he said, I, I've, I've done that, kind of like in a way, like, what the fuck, like. <laughs> It's a very Dan Henderson answer, which again proves why he get, like he's that that Chuck Norris archetype of MMA, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. A chainsaw randomly went off and took out his leg, and he was bleeding everywhere. And uh, and uh, yeah, they had to call a fight. Dan Henderson would answer would be and. <laughs> oh Jesus. Um, yeah, Hafian Stott defeated uh, Chaden Leloa. Chaden was also a nice kid that uh, someone I want to look out for. Uh, Hafian, uh, obviously, another, another prospect there to watch out for. Zach Zane defeated Nainoa Dung. Again, you know, taking shots with these prospects in other regions. And uh, Dung, he's still a young man, so he still has time to pay off. So it's not even a bad. Again, even when one guy fails, another guy does good. These situations, I believe, are a win for Bellator style matchmaking. And Zach Zane's been a guy, he does a contender series. Dude, this guy's fought all over, like, PXC, the Pacific, over in Asia. I believe he even fought, like, Midwest in the Victory Fighting Championships, the square wing promotion. Like, And this dude's got that typical Hawaiian journeyman record, which was a big theme, you know. You just look at the Hawaii MMA scene. So many of these guys are forced to fight each other or fight outside of and be, you know... You know, have having long travel, which works against you, and then you're having, you know, not a big name, but you're a tough Hawaiian, so you're going to be brought in there to lose, right? Like, so these records, in other words, what I'm trying to say, are very deceptive. And even though these guys have win-loss records, they're learning along the way and becoming deceptively mature along the way. Um, does that mean there's a bunch of world champions that'll have really bad records coming your way? No, that's not what I'm saying. But... As we saw with Zachary Zane, these guys will surprise you and talk about humble and humility. Like Zach Zane and and Toby Misich really won me over as far as like their backstage presence and just humility and and, and, and victory. You know, even though I know Dung was showing kind of poor sportsmanship to be honest um, after, uh, which apparently he did kind of you know uh, turn that around a bit backstage for what that's worth. So for anybody condemning. The young dung there. Um, he he, you know, he's a young guy, man, and, and he wasn't all bad backstage for what that's worth. But Zach Zane was just all class, no matter what. Saying, you know, hey, lift him up. He's gonna need. He's the next generation. He's gonna need that. And man, that was fucking cool. So I hope um, either uh, Bellator signs him or he gets another shot somewhere else on a bigger promotion. That would be cool. Um, is it Swain Lunasco, I believe, yeah, defeated uh, Kalen Gross. Uh, I want to say that. I probably shouldn't even say the name. Uh, I'm not going to get too much of the prelims, but I, I I I just mentioned that because I wrote Boob Corner here because, uh, oh, geez. I, I saw it. Oh, fuck. I saw it on the weigh-ins, and I'm like, does that guy kind of have a, kind of have a one, 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 one boob? But I couldn't tell because it wasn't as pronounced at the weigh-ins because it was not ceremonial and official. It's all one way in like old school, right? So the guy was well sucked in for him, I guess, right? So maybe it wasn't as pronounced. But when he when he rehydrated, <laughs> it was pretty obvious. And I was like, holy shit, Twitter is going to blow up. And sure enough, um, Twitter starts blowing up. But not only does Twitter blow up, like... 
I'm not going to say any names, whether it was, you know, media or other personnel. <laughs> On the row right there, right at cage side. But uh, people were noticing as well, whether they were noticed from the day before or they were just noticing that day. But uh, it was, you know, um, <laughs> I'm not trying to throw anybody to the bus here. But, like, people were just like, oh, you know, like, you know. Dan Tom, is that a tit? Like, like that. that's the kind of talk that was going down. I don't know why people were asking me, because I think I noticed it earlier, so people were, like, trying to confirm. Um, and, uh, and it was really bad, and, like, it was just, like, <laughs> it was funny. It was, just, it was watching, it was cool. Shout out to MMA Junkie Matt, man. Matt Erickson. Just watching him trying not to <laughs> keep a straight face, like, <laughs> on his cage side, because... At a certain point, someone of official capacity or media, or I'm not gonna throw anybody in the bus, but <laughs> I was like, "Dude, hey, junkie, make it make it a blue corner, make it a blue corner, like make his tit a blue corner." I'm like, "Holy shit!" Like, come on, guys. Even me, even immature Dan Tom, who always picks low hanging fruits. Like, can we keep it together, guys? Can we keep it together? And then someone. Maybe they heard because they heard blue corner, but it, it sets them off, and they go, "Hey, is he fighting in the boob corner? <laughs> He's fighting out of the boob corner." And I'm just trying not to die. I'm looking over Matt Erickson. He's trying not to die. And then, of course, because this is how the universe works, people. I don't know who realized it. Um, I think I did, and then we slowly all did because who they were cheering for it became clear. But sure enough, folks, this is why you got to be respectful, whether you're media or not, because you don't know who's sitting by you. But sure enough. They had this really, it was really random. Like, they put one row behind Meteor Row, and then it was the walkway, and then all the stadium seats. Like, did we really need that one row? I guess they were trying to, it probably was a selling point. But sure enough, the one tit guy, fighter, um, his family was sitting behind us that whole fucking time. <laughs> Nothing was said, thankfully. It was Hawaii, so I'm surprised punches weren't thrown. Maybe they didn't hear us. But eventually, like, I know I did. I told the people around me, like, all right, guys, easy up on the jokes. They're sitting behind us. And eventually everybody caught wind, so it was just funny watching everybody else trying to keep a straight face while I vicariously lived through Twitter. But it was um, Coker Bar owner. I put That was funny. Uh, when I tweeted uh, Scott Coker in the uh, first uh, media scrum of the week, uh, when they announced the uh, signing of what's her name, uh, your eye favor look alike, uh, Liz Carmouche. And the comments like Scott O'Cooker looks like a bar owner who owns a bar in Hawaii and sits on the same stool. And some people were like Scott O'Cooker looks like a dad at a barbecue. Like, it was so so great. Uh, good old Scotty Cokes. All right, but that was essentially UFC Hawaii. Sorry, that was a bit long. UFC Busan recap. Um, man, I did terrible in picks, but I told you all of it was essentially a void list. I went seven and six, and uh, but hey, one and zero in the play I gave you. I was pretty confident, even though I felt bad giving it out. But it was plus money that was seemed destined to cash, and sure enough, Chan Sung Jung uh, knocked Frankie Edgar out with that uppercut. Um, thanks, shots for those who gave me a shout. Glad you made some money on that. Volkan Uzdemir defeated Alexander Rakic. I was back home by this time. Um, I missed a lot of the beginning card because I, I was watching it on the TV at the bar up at the Hilton. Uh, but then uh sparked up a conversation with the lady. And uh, 
from Kazakhstan. She didn't look like she was from Kazakhstan. Nice lady. Uh, it's so much easier to talk to girls in Hawaii. This is that laid back, even if they're not from Hawaii, because like there's that laid back vibe, and it's not like these West Coast uptight chicks who are just like, I'm only talking to you if you're over six three with a beard, because that's what I want. Oh God. Whereas in Hawaii, we're just fucking human beings and we could talk to each other. It's great. Um, so I was needlessly to say a bit distracted, folks. So I apologize. I did not go to watch a lot of these fights. Top three I watched a bit, though. And um, I thought it could go either way. I know a lot of people scored it for Rakic, but it was not a robbery by any means. Um, it was a tough fight to pick. I did not. I remember wanting to change my pick, not changing it to Ozdemir. Uh, still sticking with Rakic, but just not feeling super comfortable with it. And that was why. So good for Ozdemir. Uh, Jordan defeated Duho Choi, you know. Um, I, I think Jordan was a southpaw. I think I tweeted that. Like, I didn't, maybe we didn't see Duho Choi against a southpaw until now because he just got fucked up by one. As soon as Jordan especially held that stance, I believe Jordan could fight from both stances. Weathered the storm and got Duho Choi out of there, man. Crazy. Maybe not too crazy. I mean, maybe we just overestimated Duho Choi. So we'll see what happens there. Good on Jordan. Da'an Jung, I'm pretty sure I picked Da'an Jung over Mike Rodriguez, but, like, it was uh, on the avoid list. Like, this and the next fight was just like, oof. Pretty sure I picked Da'an Jung, though, who wins by first-round KO. Beautiful punch. Um, Jun Young Park, I, I definitely didn't watch this fight, I'm pretty sure. I was in transit uh, back home by this time. Uh, defeated Mark andre Barrio. Did not see the decision, but wow, okay. I, I was thinking Barrio pressure, but uh, Jung Young Park's athleticism, uh, he put it together with the skills and got it done, apparently. Kyung Ho Kang came through uh, as a parlay piece. That was the only one I recommended. Against Lu Ping Wang by split decision. Ciro Ghani defeated Tanner Bozier. Special shout out to at Martin P underscore MMA for giving me a shout going, God damn it, 4 a.m. is the worst time to have Tanner Bozier. It looked like Ciro Ghani took Tanner Bozier, hedgehog haircut, Tanner Bozier. Uh, to a unanimous decision, so poor poor Martin P there had a lot. Tanner Bozier. Stuck in his head, as I hope you do. So apologies for that, my friend. Um, Sangwoo Choi defeated Suman Mokhtarian. Did not watch it, but that's who I picked. Um, Omar, who apparently I covered again. Proving me right, guys. I forgot. I didn't know who he was in the breakdown last week. And, uh, yeah, I covered this guy on Contender Series. But, again, how many fights there are, especially that time of the year for me. doesn't matter that I have to break these guys down prior and after. I forget about them by their next fight. Defeated Glenn from The Walking Dead, Dong Young Ma. Alexandre Pantoja KO'd Machinel. I gotta go back and watch this one. I still didn't watch that one. Poor, poor John John Rico. Uh, Haley Barcelos defeated Saeed Nurmagomedov. I got that one right. I was kind of watching that one on and off. It's about when I started getting distracted. Same with the Amanda Lemos uh, Miranda Granger submission. I missed that. I looked away from the screen. It's hard to get a beat on that one though. So, or as Holly Alatang defeated Ryan Benoit. And that wraps up uh, UFC Busan. Um, Bellator Japan would happen later on, uh, which kind of happened semi-recently, I guess, from when I'm recording this. Fedor Manilianenko defeated Quentin Rampage Jackson. Fat Rampage, man. Like I said in uh, when I did the spinning back click. Shout out to 
Gorgeous Georgian Goes. Uh, I guessed it on there this week. Um, uh, but yeah, like I said on there, man, it was like, dude, as somebody who used to compete and gain a lot of weight after, I, I'm the last motherfucker who's currently out of shape. I'm the last motherfucker who can complain. You see me on that 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 top ten video I did? Jesus, I mean, Rampage looked like he ate Rampage, which is funny because I was saying, you know, Dan Tom looked like he ate Dan Tom. So, I'm the last person to shit on that. I did pick Rampage, however, before I saw how big he was, I wouldn't have picked him if I saw it, how he was in that shape. He really pulled one over on us. But uh, I just thought it was durability. That's one thing he's had, and that's one thing that's went for Fedor, and it was heavyweight. So based on that alone, it actually didn't feel like the worst pick in the world. And, um, yeah, Fedor did his Fedor things. Fortunately, it's hard to even, like, give Fedor credit. I'll take a sip here. Whiskey. Oh, speaking of bourbon, this was a bourbon I had um, with Woodford Reserve. Whoa. Um... It's hard to even, like, tell how good of a, a, a shape or condition Fedor is in this stage of his career in his quote-unquote retirement tour. But, um, yeah, Rampage wanted no more. Um, Shinso Anzai walk out. I love, like, fighters who, like, really embrace some really random style. Like, I like... Uh, I think Dubronx had a photo of him, too, where it was very... Because, like, what did Anzai walk out to? Limp Biscuit or something? Like, rolling, rolling, rolling. And, like, I feel like there's a picture of Charles Dubronx where he has, like, that, like, late 90s, like, ball and chain or whatever, like, necklace. He's got, like, some weird shirt and some, like, bleach blonde spikes and, like, glasses. Like, it, it essentially is, like, mid to late 90s. More mid-90s, though, written all over it. And same with Anzai, but, like... These guys were in their primes. They're not old guys. Anzai older than Dubronx. Dubronx deceptively young, granted. But I think there's like this cultural thing where like, you know, the trends or something maybe come like five to seven years later. So like these guys were young in the earlier 2000s, but their earlier 2000s was straight like 1997 styling. So seeing them now in 2019-ish, it just seems really fucking more dated than it needs to be. So I always love when guys embrace and rep hard their style because it almost always is that cultural example. And I'm not lifting my nose up at it as an American or anything. Like, I, I appreciate the shit out of that. I like to Bronx and, and I'm part Japanese, so I got love for Anzai. Not making fun or putting my nose up at it, but I'm just saying I, I love that. Anytime a guy goes hard on his style, his style is always most definitely outdated. I just love that. There's something about that. Um, Goichi Yamauchi looked great as well. Um, felt like I was watching some, like, old-school Gracie fight. That Watanabe-Joani uh, fight was really good, but I was just kind of back and forth. Um, I didn't really watch too much of it. Um, again, I think I had a puppy. Like, I got, I got, I got the puppy the day of, uh, the day of New Year's, you know? It was, uh, it was a last little litter. The, the guy, no one wanted it. The guy was doing, come on. Going once, going twice, kind of a post. My mom brought it to my attention, and with everything going on, I was like, hey, let's get the puppy. So my my, my uh, New Year's MMA watching got kind of um, hijacked, uh, although this day might not consider the, the Risen card I did not watch. That's my excuse for the Risen card. Um, finishing out this card, though, Lorenz Larkin defeated Keita Nakamura. just looked like a beating every time I looked up at the screen. Uh, Michael Page defeated the aforementioned Shinzo Anzai, who is just, um, you know, Walking into them punches, and speaking of walking into the punches, man, Michael Chandler landed one over the guard behind the ear, Cindy Outlaw, who felt awful. As he, you know, I get why he still, he should believe in himself. He's a, he's more talented than his 
Well, his record's not bad, but you know um, he's more talented than you would think. Uh, even in lo- other losses, like to Gregor Gillespie, he actually had some really good positions on Gregor. So I, I hope Bellator or somebody gives Sydney a better and full notice shot as opposed to short. But uh, yeah, always good to see my dude Michael Chandler come out with a win there again. Like I just said, I did not watch Risen Twenty. Um, I was a, uh, I was a, uh, yeah, puppy chasing um, as well as the PFL finals, uh, which I'll go over. Not so much results for Risen. There wasn't much there uh, that I'll really weigh in on. But um, wow, PFL results, which I did not pull up. Um, yeah, I think the fight that I I. The one fight I got wrong, I think I took Jordan Johnson over Emmanuel Sordi. And, of course, again, folks, these opportunistic finishers, if they, you know, are doing better, and they always throw me off, whether it's, like, these, I don't know. Like, Sordi reminds me of Maluco Perez or even, like, a Johnny Walker, where I don't take him seriously and they get finishes. And then now I'll take him seriously because he finished Jordan Johnson, and he'll go and shit the bed three times after this. So maybe he's not the best example, but... As far as like the Darren Wynn, Darren Stewart example, as far as wrestlers, not I didn't watch the fight, so I probably shouldn't weigh in on this. But yeah, just because they're a better wrestler doesn't mean doesn't mean end all be all. But yeah, man, I didn't even realize that. Like I thought that I was gonna lose anyways because, um, as you see in the picks, I've been consistently third despite being consistently first or second because we had late entrances. Um, as far as uh, Nolan and. Guys like Nolan and Simon head, but to their credit, man, I mean, holding those percentages for the amount of fights they pick, although I believe it was about a hundred less of a sample size, which does account for something. Um, they still kill it, man. They're awesome dudes, obviously. I love them, obviously. But as far as picks, like, I ain't hating for them being on there. Although I, I did think I was gonna maybe take some solace as far as like, oh well, I guess I'll take first for the people of the whole year. But damn, man, Ken Hathaway snuck up on me again. And it's kind of bittersweet for Ken because he would have been the first, like, champ champ as far as, like, two-time winner. There hasn't been a two-time winner for staff picks. That's how volatile picking him is, folks. Sorry to break it to you. Um, but it is, it is a volatile thing, trying to pick fights right. Uh, so, yeah, junkie staff picks. I've only been a part of it two years, but it has not had a consecutive winner. So if anybody should be salty about the new entrance, it should be Ken Hathaway, who went 6-0 and on the PFL picks which was crucial because it was it came down to one pick uh, to put him above me. So, which he passed me earlier last year. Um, but again, same theme for me last year. In other words, is what I'm trying to say. Props to those guys. No hate. Nothing but love. All respect. All credit. But it does suck for old Dan Tom here because again, this is lose lose for me. Oh, what you beat a bunch of journals, Dan. You're supposed to. You're the fight analyst. But if I lose, even despite being the most consistent motherfucker every time I'm in here. Doesn't matter. I lose at the end when it counts. And, um, yeah, it looks bad if I lose. So it's a lose-lose situation for me. What makes it worse, though, despite being a lose-lose situation, is the only way it could get worse is if you literally hold first or second majority of the whole year. Majority of that being first, mind you. And then fucking lose at the end. Like, that does suck. And it also sucks because, like, I'm always usually the last turn in my picks, but it's not even like for strategic purposes. Like, ooh, I'm gonna see what they pick and go. Um, but because I can't look at what people pick, it it honestly fucks me up. And obviously, I got to go on here on this podcast, or 
at least for the main fights, write in-depth articles like showing my work and explaining why. So it puts me in a funny position where I really got to stick to my analysis. And even though I want to write it off as, oh, Dan Tom bad luck, or whoa, whoa, shaking my fist in the air, or whatever comical spinoff I want to put on it, I actually think it's this because the UFC schedule tends to lighten up, and that's where I do my most hardcore tape study. Whereas Bellator and PFL, it's only been a recent thing in the last two years that we've included this in our staff picks. And even then, we only do PFL at the end of the year. And who else has a lot of cards at the end of the year, especially this year, which was Bellator? And who has some of the most volatile fights, right? PFL's always been big on underdogs. And Bellator, even though Rich Chow and the Scott Coker matchmaking gets kind of shit on because you see some of that strike force model bleed through, that doesn't mean it makes it easier to pick. In fact, it deceptively, I would argue, makes it harder to pick because you're like, oh, it's going to be typical smash making where you pick the favorites. Not true because you get those wrong because the sample sizes are so off and perhaps maybe the odds makers in public are also being tricked by this too, folks. So, in other words, what I'm trying to say is that the clinching cards, the most crucial cards, obviously are at the end. And the majority of those cards are PFL and Bellator cards at that last month over UFC. So that kind of throws a monkey wrench in it for everybody. Now, what more specifically adds the doubling down, and I'm not trying to make excuses here, just, just, just thinking out loud, like, I think what makes it for me is, like, most people, whether they win or lose, they do good or not, they can't say they're picking who they think they're going to win because... I hate to break it to you folks, we're not supposed to have biases, but whether you're a beat journalist and you're always on the road, or you're a breaking news journalist, so you have certain connections with guys to managers, coaches, as well as fighters to your region, or you're just a journalist in general and you're doing your typical foreigners or other types of interviews, especially the in-person ones where you went over, you're going to develop biases. And... There's nothing wrong with that as long as you admit them. I admit mine. Plenty of people uh, on staff will admit theirs. Like, for example, John Morgan. He's a big cowboy guy. Kenny's an Ojai dude, etc., etc. George and Goes have their own biases they'll admit to. No big deal. But for me, it's tough. I have these, and I'll admit to them when they come across, but I really, for the most part, you know, I got to stick to it. Whereas people, they'll pick homers or this or that. So I don't know how true of a number it makes it. On top of, again, if you're competitive, which most people are, and I actually am not that competitive, which is probably why I'm not a good, was never a good fighter. I was a better teacher. You know, I didn't have that gear. I was tough. I'd outlast shit to prove a point. But as far as that gear, I don't really have that competitive gear. It sucks, but I don't, I'm being honest. And I think when you get close, you can start doing things and start picking from behind. You know, like other podcasts will have picks. They'll do the same thing. Oh, I've got to pick from behind here. It's a close fight, so I'm going to go with the underdog. Like, I can't do that because, again, I have to go and write and or explain in depth on my picks. So, I, in other words, what I'm trying to say is I think there's a lot of strategic picking, which no hate. And, and I get it. I'd, I'd probably be doing the same thing. No hate. No salt. Uh, but I'm just saying I think the reason why I keep losing my my leads late in the game is because other people can pick competitively, strategically, biasly, all the above, which I kind of in theory cannot. And those of you listeners who listen to this podcast know that. So I uh, I think I came in like third or something. I think John comes in right below me. Props to him. Um, 
And props to the new guys again, man. Simon, uh, Simon, and Nolan kill it. My my, my prediction is Nolan's going to win next year. But massive props to Kenny though, because Kenny could technically say he was champ, champ. So massive props to Kenny this year. Um, spinning back click shout. I already gave that uh, top ten fighter of the decade video. Kind of touched on that. Um, and it was funny. They even did a little highlight. I, I went hard for Dominic Cruz, but what did I tell you guys? What did I tell you? Just like the Mandalorian stuff. Predicted that too, but no, I'm just kidding. I'll get to that in a second. But like, Cruz wasn't going to get a lot of credit, and I'm not saying he should be high on the list or maybe necessarily be on the list, but I did tell you he wasn't going to get talked about, and if we're going strictly by statistics of the decade, he should be. Um, But yeah, ugh, I wrote, being on camera, Nanda shout. Well, comma, actually, want to give that podcast a shout by Fernanda Pratas. Um, really enjoy that. So it's nice having a female perspective. You know, when I listen to music, like, I, I need I, I, my, and it's perhaps it's bad to say guilty pleasure, but I always would say guilty pleasures are female singers, which really wasn't a guilty pleasure because I wasn't ashamed to admit it. But perhaps with the stigmas out there, that's why I, I labeled it as such. But the point was, was I needed female singers, not just for balance, which is always a good thing in life. Um, so it's nice to hear female MMA podcasters in the space, but um, female singers can hit a certain fucking chord that just men can't, you know, like Janis Joplin, like Peace of My Heart, like something about that, that she's fucking hitting that just men fucking can't. And I need that fix. Um, so in retrospect, it's probably good to have female voices as far as non-singing in your head, like podcasts. So I wanted to give that podcast a shout, but particularly because speaking of being on camera and the anxiety, like with everything I've been going through, I've been trying not to be on mic much. That's another reason why I, I didn't get on a podcast last week, folks. It's pretty emotional, man. Like, you know, having conversations of like, okay, if I come back, but I'm only this much of a vegetable, let me live. But if I'm this much of a vegetable, please don't let me live. Can I count on you to pull the plug? Like, Having that conversation multiple times is tough, so I, I just haven't wanted to be on a microphone, much less video. And then, especially after I come off a plane, no sleep, eat my weight and fucking spam musubi and rice, um, seeing myself on camera. But I feel less like a prima donna or whatever negative connotation of word that I probably shouldn't be using. Um, it is nice to hear that other people deal with it, and obviously even more of a, a worse way because they are they are female. Uh, Again, nodding back to the Well Actually podcast with Fernanda. And she has a lot of guests on there, I believe. Or uh, but uh, or a couple, at least, that I've heard so far. But she had Esther Lynn, another obviously female in the space, who I, you, we all should respect. Um, and she's awesome. But they're just talking about you know being on camera and the uncomfortability of it. And they obviously have a whole other dynamic because they're female that I'm not envious of. But... Uh, there was a lot there that I could relate to, um, so that's why I wanted to give them a shout. Uh, because, man, <laughs> fucking hate seeing myself on camera too, man. Believe me. Um, and I actually have a legitimate excuse, not laziness. I, I've got a laundry list, sadly, of things that are uh, keeping me from uh, back to my normal health. But it, it's extra tough for me because I didn't... <sighs> Most of y'all know me with glasses and being overweight. When like I've actually went my whole life being at a competitive somewhat athletic in shape without glasses, you know? So it's just really weird that things happen to you, like concussions and other health issues, head trauma, and 
you jump up and wait, you put on these glasses, and the stereotypes of the world just fucking inflame. I mean, I was already not that intimidating of a guy, you know, being an Asian American in the Western United States. But yeah, like I'm like I'm like man, I do look like a fucking nerd. Um, so it is kind of weird. Like that is the part of your life that is your. It sneaks up on you, and that's the part of your life that you're publicizing on camera. Um, I thankfully am really good about making the mis- uh, not making the mistake that many people do, and I'm I'm really good about not reading comment sections, folks. Um, for the most part. I don't read comment sections, but if you at me, I might accidentally stumble onto some shit there, this or there. But uh, I'm good because I beat myself up harder than any comment can. So uh, it's nice to know that I'm not the only one. Sorry, long self-deprecating, you know, playing the violin there. But there was a positive, non-selfish reason for that, and that was to shout out another podcast. Thank you all for also checking out my 20 fight finishes that help shape the decade. Um, that article came out on Junkie. Of course, I couldn't, you know, limit it. You know, I couldn't, you know, uh, put everything on there. There was a lot of things I wanted to put on from, um, you know, stuff that felt like you should put on there, like uh, Rousey beating Carmouche. But if you read the article, as far as trends, um, I, I need to connect some kind of technical trend to it. So. I did talk about leg kicks and the defense to leg kicks, but for those of you wondering why I didn't talk about calf kicks, is because calf kicks came in toward the end of the decade. And aside from Chandler Primus, which even though anticlimactic and ignominious as it was, that was on the short list to be on there because that was one of the few fights that was stopped by a calf kick, right? Because again, these were 20 fight finishes, so I really could not put fights that didn't end on a finish and calf kicks I think are going to be a big talking point excuse me as well as feints so if you didn't see me mention calf kicks or city kickboxing and the feint movement it's because both of those things happened at the end of the decade Um, although Adesanya posts some memorable fight finishes it didn't make the 20 and again, we're going to be talking a lot about Adesanya, city kickboxing, feints, as well as calf kicks in the next decade. That is my bold prediction. Uh, if I can give my bold prediction already, that's that, that, that'll be, I guess, what it is. Because I, I didn't write bold prediction down here for my neckies, and that was the one where I was thinking about. That'll be my bold prediction. So thank you for checking out that article. Um, and again, I, like I said at the top of the podcast, bad about getting guests, and so I wasn't going to do neckies, but I will quickly run through you what my neckies for this year would have been, just to give you something to chew on. Again, every other podcast and their mothers did award shows, which is fine. Great podcast. I'm not, not shitting. But it's like, do you really want to hear it? Which is why when I initially did these neckies, I wanted to try to do something kind of somewhat different. Um... And uh, in the first place, but again, everybody's already doing podcast. I don't want to bother anybody, so I'll just give you mine. Uh, KO, it doesn't really matter what it was last year. It probably was like zombie or whatever over Yair, but Masvidal over Askren, hard not to. Sub, again, I, I voted McKee for a submission of the month, but for the year, nothing was really coming coming to mind. So I wrote Mitchell Twister for the recency bias, although part of me did want to put Primus over, um, who the fuck was it in England? Brett Primus over um, someone else, sorry. He had that go-go plotted, though, which was pretty sick. Uh, round of the year, I don't know if it was round one or two, but that's going to go to Luke A. Barbarina because multiple drops 
action, volume, neck crank, back take, reversal, front choke. I mean, back and fucking forth. It was a great fight. Some people want fight of the year for that. I don't blame that at all. My fight of the year, which is the next up, was actually Gastelum Adesanya, which was a more common pick. Another reason we made round of the year a bit easier for me to pick. Um, comeback of the year can be a lot of different things to be comeback of the year, right? Uh, I actually have a two-way tie. Cejudo over Marais. Probably not the biggest comeback when you rewatch it, but just emotionally, impactfully felt really huge. And it was big, but just really felt even bigger than it was. Did not see that coming, especially because... The first round goes how everybody predicted it. Um, whether you picked Marais or not, you saw that if he gets his kicks going, Sudo's in trouble. It didn't matter. He came back. And, of course, a little recency bias. And for the podcast, Rosenstrach, Rosenstrach over, over Riem. You like that play on words? Rosenstrach over Riem. <laughs> That's the hood over Marais, Rosenstrach over Riem. Yes, Dan, we get it. We're not stupid like you. Okay, all right, I'm sorry. Um, MMA production of the year. That was kind of a unique one, and this one fits it best because it's not only the Izzy walkout, which is easy, but also the Izzy walk-off, which I, I tagged USC production because, again, thankless jobs like production or referees and officials, I, I want to try it for all they get is criticism. You know what? Let's, let's give them credit where it's due. And not only do they allow Adesanya, who Adesanya obviously and his crew deserves credit for the walkout, and so does production for allowing it, but here's where production part of it really deserves the credit. So when Izzy Adesanya is walking back, and they've done that before, they videotaped the fighter shaking hands, doing his victory lap on the way out. But there's this weird tunnel, cool tunnel they made for the entrance, and Izzy walks out of that, and production follows him perfectly and captures Izzy doing this improvisational of the moment, probably because he's so damn happy, this dance, while we're still just trying to digest what the fuck just happened, whether we picked him or not. We're trying to digest this greatness this dude's dancing down the hallway. And production was just smart enough to keep camera on him. Fucking low-key brilliance there by the production. Breakthrough fight of the year. I put George Masvidal out of irony because he is a lot of people's fighter of the year, which I didn't give it to him. I went with the other typical example, spoiler alert, which made me give Jorge Masvidal breakthrough because it's ironic because he's been around forever, right? But it just took to this year for him to break through. So... Easy to understand that take. Breakthrough non-fighter, which is weird. Like last year, I did uh, Brendan Fitzgerald. Shout-outs to Brendan, who just continues to do a good job and overperform when you consider his background and resume. He should not be doing this well. Maybe even should not have gotten the job. But thankfully, he did. And I like Brendan Fitzgerald. Do not regret that pick. This year, um, I, not many people really impactful, at least of my taste, to give credit to. So this one seems really anticlimactic to give it to this guy, but he is the best ref of the year. So how about we just make breakthrough non-fighter as well? Also, my best ref of the year, which was Jason Herzog, man. Uh, I think he had a great year. The only thing you really point to him is that George Masvidal, KO, people said, because some people said that he got there late, which is like, okay, how many people, how many times is that knockout going to happen, folks? Give him a, give him, cut him some slack for uh, Masvidal getting a shot or two in after. But yeah, Jason Herzog, man, this guy just takes his, his job very seriously. Although he was fucking with Frank Trick, apparently, uh, at the desk there at the Risen show. But hey, give him credit, man. This guy's going from Hawaii to Japan. He's all over the place. Fighter of the Year, like I kind of uh, 
hinted toward was Israel Adesanya, who I gave her my vote for staff picks as well for me junkie behind the scenes. And we do a female one there, a junkie. So in parentheses, I put Nunez as my vote for female fighter of the year. Surprise, surprise. Um, heartbreak of the year was a, a unique category for this podcast, Nekis. And I mean, it's not one to celebrate this pick, but is there really anything else to pick besides uh, Nia Blanchard, Walt Harris? I mean, love what you got, folks. I mean, I got enough reminders to be grateful. I didn't need it, <laughs> that reminder, which made it, I guess, even more fucking sad, if that's even possible, um, to split hairs there. But it was sad for all. Sad for all. And obviously, hearts out to Harris, Walt Harris and the, the Blanchard family. Feel good moment of the year. There's probably a lot um, that I'm missing. Uh, so I just went with a biased one from earlier in the year. Now with Jim Miller subs Jason Gonzalez at UFC Fight Night 150 in Florida, Hermanson, a Jocker Ray card, April 27th, 2019. You know, uh, that was one that even got uh, Anik to pop and almost cry and break character on on. Uh, and Anik's a fucking pro. Love John Anik. Speaking of play-by-play guys, um, that one got him to pop just because the kids. You know, the kids are there in front of him. It could have really gone bad, especially the way. Miller's, some of his fights were at the point in his career. I mean, God damn, did that feel good to watch. So I'm sure there's plenty of better ones, but that was my feel good. And bold prediction, calf kicks and faints are just going to continue to kick ass and overtake. Um, calf kicks and faints will be our, our version of boxing taking that uh, evolution where there'll be less finishes, but more technical, for better or worse. All right, quickly before we get out of here... Um, Oh, not too bad. Only five minutes over an hour. Um, Mandalorian thoughts. I was really hard on it because, again, just because, you know, like I said, they, they, again, the Star Wars franchise is taking from Japanese samurai as well as Western culture, except the worst part is it, a lot of it's mainly Japanese, in my opinion. And, you know, we still don't get the... Uh, we still don't get the strong Asian character, you know. I love how, like, I just saw some fucking, again, another reason why. I, I turned around on Mandalorian. I'll explain why here in a second before we get out of here, folks. But another reason why I will dig my heels into not wanting to even watch this fucking MCU bullshit universe. Fucking. You're not a nerd if you watch it. You're a mainstream fucking casual. That's what you are. Maybe not. I'm, there are some hardcore nerds that are still sinking with a boat, like the captain of the Titanic. And I'm, I, I respect you. I'm friends with a lot of you, so I don't want to piss you off. I get it. I've done that with things in my fandom as well. So I'm not hating, but goddamn, so fucking mainstream. And now it's just it's just to please everybody. They're just trying to get everybody in, you know? Oh, we're going to recast this character uh, with this gender or this race. And it's not even because that gender or race deserves, which they do, deserves more characters, which, again, they do, 100%. I just hate it because it's disingenuous. They're doing it for their own version of fucking clicks. And I see another article today where, like, MCU is going to release an LGBTQ character. Like, so what, are they just making up characters to fit demographics so they can pull more fucking money in? Like, do you guys see through this? Do you not care about disingenuous shit? Because I do. It turns me the fuck off. I know I'm a contrarian, but fuck MCU. I did, however, come back on The Mandalorian, uh, Farvo. Did a good job of directing it. Again, it had that 70s feel. It didn't put high stakes into it. Um, it didn't uh, get all crazy with trying to like re-put its take on lore, like whatever the fuck Abrams or whoever does on their shit. 
like these, whether the X Men or the MCU stuff, like these people got to put their Star Wars, other Star Wars movies. I haven't seen the uh, Last Return or whatever, Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker, or whatever the fuck it is, because I, I I have to go watch the in through one ear out the other. That was the Force Awakens and um, the quote unquote second one, not Rogue One, the one after that. Because yeah, it's just it's it's. It's not good, and I know it's cool now. Not to say it's not good, where it was cool to say it was good. I, I've been consistent. It's not good. Um, and yeah, I just want it for just my own nostalgic value because I'm an OG Star Wars fan. Not OG in the sense of I was alive in the 70s, but I grew up with those before the prequels, folks. I was a pre-prequel kid, so... Um, yeah, I was a little bit critical, especially with the baby Yoda being contrarian. And sure enough, all y'all were falling in line, like I told you, were posting all the gifts. All these baby Yoda gifts everywhere. All my family members were like, oh, I see it on Facebook. Like, oh, fuck. Baby Yoda everywhere. And I was ready to give up on the series with the scene where we, we meet Gina Carano's character because it was the typical, like, ooh, there's that elusive character over there. And they look away for a second. They look back. <gasps> Where did they go? Surely you're not going to go chase her outside. Oh, chase her outside. Following footprints. Oh, I'm sure you're going to follow those footprints and not be surprised by something around the corner. And, and I'm like, literally, like, I'm commenting out loud to you guys now. I was doing this in real time, watching it, like, predicting every scene before it happened. I'm like, and sure enough, that's not going to lead to a fight scene that's very low stakes where the gun or the weapon gets juggled because, of course, you can't have them hurt each other but you have to have that false suspense for people who don't know any better um to invest and it's going to end in some kind of weird standoff where they have like the gun pointed at each other and they're going to be like oh and the baby yoda's going to be there to break the ice and sure enough that's exactly what fucking happened and i almost shut it off right there uh episode five or six or whatever some of the worst episodes of the series right i'm like this is this is just fucking typical recycled garbage this is pandering bullshit and it's making this stretch wait a week each episode for this. Fuck off. However, the last couple episodes were really well done. We got Billy fucking Burr. Bill Burr. You know I like Bill Burr, as you can tell from this podcast. <laughs> and he did great. Essentially, you know, like bringing like ball busting to the universe, right? Red-headed ball busting to the universe. Ball Boston accent space Boston to the universe. So that was fucking awesome, um, and uh, and yeah, the, the last couple episodes are really well done. And I, I say this a lot with like this is my favorite aspects. I don't mean this is sexist, and I don't even know if sexist connotations are attached to it. But it's something I've said with like acting professors, and they've agreed. Where like when I like a female actor, one of the common threads is, and this is something true with females, and acting professors often agree. Both, actually, most of my acting professors were female, so. If there's anything misogynistic or any kind of bias, they would have fought the other way, and they didn't. They actually agreed, which was less is more for females. And that's what The Mandalorian was, was less is more, because I believe less is more for Star Wars as well. Um, because all the new fucking CGI, all the new fucking hype and synergy bullshit they try to incorporate, I haven't been into it. Mandalorian, though, it turned it around, and I will watch more. Good job, Mandalorian. You saved the ship. It was sinking. I almost abandoned, but it saved it. Those are my thoughts. You can continue to make fun of me or get at me and, and, and you know, whatever. 
thumbs up or thumbs down. But that's my review, folks. All I know how to be honest is for my own good. You can be honest, although I will say if it's honest for bad, maybe don't leave a review. Uh, don't hurt my algorithm. That could be you doing a favor without having to lift a finger. Or if you feel so inclined, it's, it doesn't cost you anything but some calorie burning. Um, iTunes, five-star ratings and reviews for the podcast. I appreciate it. Amazon, I'm still having to update those links. On it, I'm actually going to be posting some win some free tickets for uh, Cerrone McGregor. I was talking to the affiliate program person for that. Uh, so be on the lookout for those links that I'll be posting. And the on it click-through banner at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com still works if you want to donate money without spending money. You like on it products? I like the hemp protein, for example. Go ahead and go to Mixed Martial Analyst. Click through the banner. It doesn't cost you a thing. We get a small percentage back. Or if you really want to go above and beyond and just, you know, some people have tip me some of their winnings. Some people just tip me just because they appreciate the podcast and the labor. There is a PayPal link. Um, and I don't have, to, I will give you your privacy or uh, if you request it, if people have requested that. Most people do request that when they request the PayPal because it just seems like really salt of the earth type of people. So whether you do it or not, just thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And if you do more, obviously fucking fucking thank you but really even if you're just listening thank you very much i appreciate it i hope you guys had a good holiday new year sorry for the personal update but it was apropos to the podcast because um with the brain surgery i didn't mention um it's it's a lengthy recovery and uh you need clean uh, environment and my house is cleaner than than the one my my mom shares with her, her her father my grandfather so she may be here uh, doing her recovery. So in other words, the room that I've been clearing out and, and I've been working on, I have been, for this podcast, for doing the YouTube launch and top fives and whatnot. I'll still be doing top fives this next year, folks. That will be coming. But as far as the YouTube launch and visual, that may be delayed because, again, that room that I've been using for a studio, everything happens for a reason, folks. And uh, I guess I was cleaning it out for yet another reason because um, uh, Mumsy uh, will probably be used to recover there. So thank you guys for the positive wishes. It really means a lot with everything going in your lives. Like some of you motherfuckers have gone through losses that I can't even imagine. You're still like taking the time to wish me well. Like, I don't know why, but you guys are fucking salted there with people. You know exactly who the fuck you are. Thank you guys for being supportive. Uh, I'm sorry if I come off as a negative cunt. I don't believe you. I don't blame you if you stop listening because of that. I've had people stop listening and stop being a part of my life because of that. Uh, no hard feelings, but those of you who realize that life is fucking tough and have been through adversity yourself, I think you guys understand. So fucking thank you guys. I-, I wish all of you, regardless of your adversities, regardless of if you reached out or not, I don't care if you're listening to this, I wish you nothing but good stuff in 2020. We'll be back uh, next week for something. I don't know if I can get a top five, but I'll get you guys something next week. And of course, we'll be back for fight week uh, for UFC, uh, what is it, 246. Uh, Cowboy, uh, Cowboy Cerrone, uh, Cowboy vs. McGregor. Um, so until then, enjoy family, enjoy the finer things in life. Have patience for all, from puppies to people, folks. Okay, have patience and always protect the unnatural.